My name is Alan Carr. I'm pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Lenore, North Carolina. Thank you for visiting our webpage and for taking the time to listen to one of our sermons. We hope this sermon, which was preached in our pulpit, will be a blessing to you in your walk with the Lord and help you grow in your understanding of God's Word. God bless you now as you listen to the preaching of the Word of God. We'll be turning in our Bibles to the book of Exodus this evening. The book of Exodus, chapter number 3. The book of Exodus, chapter <clears throat> number 3. Talk about some of the names of God. Begin that tonight. We'll just get one tonight, obviously. Hopefully. It's really impossible to deal with all the names of God. All the names he's given in the Bible, there are just simply too many of them. And uh, we will deal with several of the most well-known names of the Lord and try to talk about some of those and how they speak to us today. Uh, I hesitate to say the most important names of God, but uh, there it is. We'll, we'll deal with some of the more well-known names. I don't know how many we'll do, but we'll figure that out as we go along. I guess we'll see uh, how you respond and how I feel like the Lord's leading me. But Exodus chapter 3, I want to introduce, I could start Genesis 1-1, give you the first name, but I want to start with this one because in my view it's the most important of all the names of God in the Bible. And So if you've got your place there in Genesis chapter 3, let's, let's stand together. Huh? Yeah, I'm sorry, what I say? Oh, yeah, Exodus 3. Yeah, yeah, obviously. That's what I meant to say. Sorry. Exodus chapter 3. Nah, I didn't change it. Exodus. I've been in Genesis so long on Sunday night, it's bound to happen, right? All right, Exodus chapter 3, verse number 1. The Bible says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight while the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, but put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows and am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. 
And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And moreover, when God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. You can be seated. Why study the names of God? Why even do that? Well, if we're going to know God, we must know first who God is. We can't know him unless we know who he is. And one of the best ways to know God is by knowing his name. And after we know his name, we are brought to a place where we can understand even more about him by coming to understand more of the names God has given in the Bible. Now, what's in a name? Our names really don't have a lot of meaning. We might be named after a relative, or we might bear a name our parents liked when we were born. For instance, when Nikki was born, Joan and I weren't saved, and we weren't in church, and so we just picked a name we liked. And so we named her that just because we liked the name. It had no real significance to us or in our family. But when Jesse was born three years later, we were saved, and we were serving the Lord, trying to, and so we chose a biblical name for him, and we named him Jesse, which means gift or the gift of God. Now, for us, names are just labels. Our names are how people know us. Our names are a tool for identification. The names in the Bible were used far, far differently. We just came out of a study of the life of Jacob. And Jacob, you'll remember, his name meant trickster, heel grabber, supplanter, liar. And certainly it described his character. And Jacob lived down to his name. His grandfather, Abraham, his name meant father of a multitude. And his name was an indication of what God was going to do through Abraham in the years ahead. Abraham, when he was 100 years old, fathered a son by the name of Isaac. Isaac means laughter because God made the old man to laugh. And through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God brought into the world the children of Israel, a literal multitude, and Abraham to this day lives up to his name. Now the list of Bible names and their meanings is really only limited by the number of characters who are found in the Bible. But our focus in this series is on the names of God. Now why do the names of God matter? God's name matters because his name reveals his nature and his character. And if you imagine God, I hate to use this analogy, but it kind, of, it kind of fits here. If you imagine God being like an onion, each time you peel away a layer, there's another layer. And each name adds another layer to who God is in our understanding. God is such a holy God, such a transcendent God, such a God who is so far above us. 
that you and I cannot comprehend him by one name. And so God reveals himself by many names so that we may understand more of who he is and how he operates in our lives. Because every name reveals a new nuance which adds to our understanding of who God is. Let me read you a couple quotes. Wayne Grudem, who is a theologian, he said this. He said, the many names of God in the Scripture provide additional revelation of his character. These are not mere titles assigned by people, but for the most part, his own descriptions of himself. As such, they reveal aspects of his character. Now, as I said earlier, I'm not sure how many of God's names we will explore, but we will consider several as we move along by the help of the Lord. In this first sermon, I want to share with you God's personal name and what it means. And I also want to share with you the implications of that name and what it means to us today and forever. So let's turn our attention to the text and learn about God's personal name. I'm calling this message Yahweh, the name of his person. God's name is Yahweh, if you're interested in that. Now the passage opened, and we read this, about Moses. He's, he's 80 years old. He is a shepherd. He is a fugitive on the run from Egypt because he killed someone, and he is in the desert taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And one day, during the routine uh, business of watching over the sheep, Moses has a life-changing encounter with Almighty God. He sees a burning bush in verse number 2. And he and it, that one in and of itself so unusual. There are certain bushes in that part of the world, I've read, that can spontaneously catch fire in the extreme heat of the desert. One of them is called the dictamnus albus or the gas plant and sometimes that plant will just combust it will just go up in flames but what was so unusual about this plant was that while it was burning it was not being consumed it was not being destroyed by the fire so Moses decided to stop and look at this phenomenon and as we read he drew closer and as he did God told him to take his shoes off his feet because he was on holy ground and Moses began a conversation with God that ultimately changed the life of Moses. So what I want to do tonight is walk through these verses and particularly park in the latter verses of our text and talk to you about Yahweh, the name of his person, and give you some lessons from this text that teach us more about who God is. Now notice first, if you will, I want you to see the manifestation of God's name. How was this name manifested? I've already laid the groundwork. Moses is in this conversation with God on this piece of desert that suddenly became holy ground when God manifested himself there. And God reveals his identity to Moses in verse number 6. He identifies himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He declares himself to be the God who has made an everlasting covenant with his people Israel. Now Moses, who knew who God was, remember, he might have been raised as the, as the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, but his mother was his nurse growing up, so surely he heard about the God of Israel. He knew who this God was, and in verse 6, he bows before God in fear. Then in verses 7 through 10, God reveals his purpose to Moses. He tells Moses that, He's heard the cry of his people Israel, and he's come to lead them out of Egypt 
and to take them to Canaan to the promised land. Now in verse 11, this is where the story gets even more interesting because Moses responds to God by asking the question, Who am I? Who am I to do this thing that you're saying I'm going to do? Moses realized his inadequacy. He realized his, his ability to carry out the task. After all, he's 80 years old. After all, he is a fugitive from Egypt. He is wanted by the Egyptians for a murder he committed 40 years earlier. And as an 80-year-old man, he doesn't have anything of his own. He's spending his time taking care of somebody else's flock. God's promise in verse 12 is that he will go with Moses and he will enable him and Moses will succeed in his mission and the people will come and they will worship God in that same mountain, Mount Horeb. Then in verse 13, Moses gets down to the heart of his concern. He says, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? So after he asks, Who am I? The next question that comes to Moses is mine, is who are you? You're telling me I'm going to go do this. Who are you? I'm going to go down there to my people, and I'm going to tell them God sent me, but who are you? Who do I tell them sent me? And the answer that God gives Moses is, is both profound and mysterious because God's answer, it really sounds strange to our ear. In verse 14, God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. What God is saying there, you know who I am, and they know who I am. And this is my name, you take it to them, and they will understand and they will follow. And in this passage, God reveals his personal name. And that personal name is the name God goes by. It is the name God desires to be called. Because in verse 15 he says, This is my name forever. God wants us to know this is his name. His name is I am. The prophet Isaiah heard from God, and here's what the Lord said to him, I am the Lord that is my name. Now that word Lord there translates the same a Hebrew word as the phrase I am. So when God says I am, he's using the word Yahweh. When he tells Isaiah, I am the Lord, he's using the same word, and God says that is my name. So that is the name God goes by, that is the name God said was his name forever, and that is the name we're going to study for a few minutes tonight. Now, Bear with me through a little bit of this technical stuff up front. We're talking about the name Yahweh. And we think we're pronouncing it right. I'll come to that in a minute. But God's name comes from four letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Those four letters are known as the Tetragrammaton, which means the four letters. And those letters are yod Hey, vah Hey. That's, that's how they're pronounced. It's the Yod, the He, the Va, and the Hey. Yod Hey Vah and it means the four letters. That is God's name. 
And since Hebrew is a language that does not have any vowels, it's all consonants, it's a very guttural language, we really don't know how to pronounce the name of God. You see, the Hebrews would write their letters, which were all consonants, and they would put little dash marks or diacritical marks. They would put what Jesus called jots and tittles next to the letters that showed how you were supposed to breathe when you said that, letter, said that particular letter. And so that determined how you pronounce a particular word. To this day, we have no idea how to really pronounce God's name because they never included the jots and tittles on the name of the Lord. On the name Yahweh, there are none. Never have been. We have no idea. Some say Yahweh. They believe that's the best pronunciation. Hebrew scholars tell us that. Others say it's Yahweh. We don't know. Yahweh, Yahweh, we have no idea. Sometimes we'll hear this name pronounced Jehovah, right? You've heard that. We see the name Jehovah in our Bible. But the word Jehovah came about because of a, and I hesitate to even say this, but it's true, it's historical. It came about as a mistranslation of the Latin word for Yahweh when the Bible was translated into German. A J was transferred into the place of the Y and a V in the place of the W, and the name became Jehovah. Jehovah is not a name. That's not God's name. God's name is Yahweh. This mispronunciation of Jehovah is still around 1,500 years later. And unfortunately, we're more familiar with the mispronunciation than we are with God's real name. We know Jehovah better than we do Yahweh. So that's quite an interesting thing. Now, this is God's personal name. If God has a first name, God's first name is Yahweh. We call God God, don't we? God is a title for Yahweh, just like Father is a title, just like Lord is a title. God's proper name is Yahweh. And this name for God appears 6,823 times in your Old Testament. That's a lot. It is by far the most common name for God in the Bible. Yahweh is His name. And even though Yahweh is his name, don't you find it interesting that we never call God by his name? We never do. We always substitute a title when we speak about God. We call him God. We call him Father. We call him Lord. We call him other names, but we hardly ever call him by his name, which is Yahweh. If, if that's somebody's name, it kind of stands to reason that we would call him by his name, yet we never do. Perhaps we ought to work on changing our vocabulary when we talk to God and when we talk about God. Now, I understand the ancient Hebrews, they were fearful of taking the name of God in vain. They were so fearful, in fact, that they refused to pronounce the name Yahweh. When they were reading the Old Testament Scriptures and they came to the Tetragrammaton, the yod heh vah the Yahweh, when they came to that word, they always substituted in their reading the word Adonai, which means Lord. They always substituted Lord for Yahweh because they did not want to be guilty of taking God's name in vain. Let me just insert this here. We too ought to be careful 
about taking God's name in vain. And we think to do that, that we have to use God's name as a curse. We have to attach it to the word damn or something like that. And if we do that, then we're taking God's name in vain, and surely we are. But we do throw God's names and titles around too carelessly, don't we? In fact, how many times a day do you hear or even do you say, my God, or oh God, or oh my God, or good God, oh Lord, my Lord, good Lord, oh Jesus, or Jesus Christ, just used in conversation or used as an exclamation. Every time we hear that or do that, we are taking the name of the Lord in vain. We ought to be more careful about that. I'm bad to say, oh Lord. And I'm working on that. Y'all pray for me. Y'all pray for me that I won't take God's name in vain. But even some of our slang words that we use very commonly, we say stuff like gee and gosh and golly and gee whiz and geez and gosh darn it and cripes and criminy. All those are ways of taking God's name in vain without actually saying God's name. We ought to purge our vocabulary of all the extraneous words and just stick to saying what we want to say. We do it without realizing we're doing it, but we need to pay attention to what we're doing. Now, God gives his name to Moses here and says it's Yahweh, but this is not the first time that God had identified himself this way. This is the first time God said this was his name. Now, if you look back to the beginning of the Bible, Eve used this name for God in Genesis chapter 4, verse number 1. She called him Yahweh. Not only did she use it, but Noah used it. God used this name when he came to Jacob in Bethel. He identified himself as Yahweh. Abraham knew this name. His servant Eleazar knew this name. Isaac knew this name and taught it to his sons. But as I said, this is the first time that God says, Yahweh is my name. Is this going over your heads? Huh? Strange stuff, isn't it? But there's a manifestation of God's name. God says, my name is Yahweh. This is my name forever. But notice second with me, not just the manifestation of God's name, notice the meaning of God's name. Now, God gives us his name in this passage. But what does Yahweh mean? When God says, I am that I am, what does it mean? The name Yahweh comes from the Hebrew verb to be. And since to be is to live or have existence, then the name of God is tied directly to life itself. To be at its heart means to have life. When you see I am in your Bible, or when you're reading your Old Testament, you see the word Lord, which is in all capital letters, capital L-O-R-D, when you see that, you are reading the name of God, which proclaims Yahweh to be both alive and the source of life itself. The name reveals God to be the self-existent one. That's what that name says. I am the self-existent one. I exist. I cause everything else to exist. I would say it this way. God is the uncaused cause. The uncaused cause. No one created God. No one preceded God. God is eternal, and God is self-existent. 
As Yahweh, He is the Creator of all things, and He is the Giver of all life. We'll talk about that more in a few minutes by the help of the Lord if we get there. When God told Moses His name was Yahweh, the King James Version translates it, I am that I am, or as it is in the latter part of verse 14, I am. I checked some of the more modern Bible versions to see what they had there, and instead of saying, I am that I am, most of them say, I will be what I will be. But I don't think that fits what the, the Bible's saying about Yahweh. When God says, my name is Yahweh, God is saying more than I will be what I will be. Now, I understand where they're going with that, but God said, I am that I am. Here's the thing. God is the only being in the universe who can say, I am that I am. If I'm going to tell you what I was in the past, I've got to say I was. If I'm going to talk about my future, I've got to say I will be. Only in this very moment of time can I say I am and be accurate in what I say. But God is able to say I am that I am. And what that implies to us is that God is a God who has never changed. Yahweh has always been who He is, and He will always be who He is. He is even now what He's ever been, and what He is now He will ever be. God is always the I Am. He is in the moment all the time, and the reason that's true is because God is not bound by the linear constraints of time like you and I are. I'm limited by time. I have a window of time in this world, and my time here is going to fade away. Time for me is past, present, and future. Time for God does not exist. Where God is, it's always now. And God always says, I am. He's in the past, He's in the future, He's in the present, He just is all the way. What this word talks to us about is that God is an unchanging God who is self-existent. And let me say this to you about Him. This passage, this particular name, speaks about God's immutability. That's just a 50-cent theological word, which means God does not change. God does not change. I got behind myself there. Look what he said. He said in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Aren't you glad God doesn't change? Aren't you glad He's not always rewriting the book on you? God is always who He has been, and He always, listen, He always will be. We're always changing. People are changing. I'm not the same person I was yesterday, and I won't be tomorrow exactly who I am today. I'm always changing, but God never, ever changes. In John chapter 8, verse 56 through 58, one of my favorite passages. The, the Bible says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. This is Jesus talking. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, Before Abraham was, and I love this, I am. You know what Jesus did there? Jesus identified himself with the Yahweh of the Old Testament by proclaiming Himself to be have the same name and to be the same person as the one who said, I am that I am. 
little sneak peek of coming attractions. The Jesus of the New Testament is the Yahweh of the Old Testament. They are one and the same. Not two different individuals. I'll tell you who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. That was the Lord Jesus. Yahweh, eternally unchangeable, always the same. The writer of Hebrews said, Thou art the same. Talking about the universe will be rolled up like a vesture and changed, but you are the same. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Then in James 1, 7, a passage we studied earlier this year, talking about God with whom is no variableness, variableness neither shadow of turning. The name Yahweh speaks of a God who does not change. He just is. He's not past. He's not future. God is. He exists self-existently, unchangeably, eternally. He is Yahweh. And could I just say to you, that ought to encourage us. Ladies and gentlemen, the same Yahweh who stepped out on nothing and spoke everything into existence is our God. The same Yahweh who walked with Adam in the cool of the garden is our God. The same Yahweh who put Noah and his family in the ark and met them when they came out the other side of the flood is our God. The same Yahweh who delivered Israel from Egyptian bondage led them through the wilderness providing them with food and water and help them defeat all of their enemies. Thank God He is our God. The same Yahweh who met Joshua outside Jericho, He is our God. I could go on and on and on with that. The one with David in the valley of Elah, when he faced Goliath, that's our God. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found a fourth man in the fire, he's our God, that's Yahweh. When Daniel had somebody in the lion's den, that's Yahweh. When Mary gave birth to a baby, that was Yahweh. When Jesus died on the cross, that was Yahweh. When He rose again the third day, that was Yahweh. When He ascended back to heaven, that was Yahweh. When He sat down at the right hand of the Father, that was Yahweh. When He comes back to get us, that'll be Yahweh. The one we see in glory, that will be Yahweh. He does not change. And Yahweh identifies Him as the self-existent, unchanging, life-giving, sovereign God of eternity. That's who I'm talking about. And I know that name sounds strange to our ears. We don't use it in conversation. We don't use it in our preaching. We don't have it in our translation of the Bible. But ladies and gentlemen, that is God's personal name. That is who He is. He always has been Yahweh and He always will be Yahweh, He will never change. His name is Yahweh. And I'm telling you, that encourages me. Because when I go to Him in prayer, and I'll, be, I'll just be perfectly honest with you, for the last little while I've been contemplating this and studying this concept of that being God's name, and I've come to start talking to God in my private prayer time by using His name. He told me that was His name, so I suspect I can use it I've been talking to him like that, and it's starting to become a part of my thinking. I don't think he minds that whatsoever. I don't think he minds it. But what encourages me when I go before him, 
And I began to talk to Him, and I began to pray to this God, this self-existent, eternal, sovereign, unchanging God. Oh, hallelujah. I'm connected with the One who's been here forever. If you look behind God, if you could stretch your mind to when there was nothing but God, you can't do that. And if you could go even further back and look behind God and see what's there, you'd find nothing but God. That's who I'm talking to. Brother Ronnie, the one who stepped on the front of that ship and said, Peace be still. That's my Yahweh. Hallelujah. The one who walked up to the tomb of Lazarus and said, Lazarus, come forth. That is my Yahweh. That's who I'm talking to. The one who took loaves and fishes and broke them and fed a multitude. That is my Yahweh. That's who I'm praying to. And I go to Him about the piddling needs in my life, the little things that seem so big to me, but they're nothing to Him. And I lay them out before Yahweh. You know what He says to me? He says, I am. I am what, Lord? I am who you need me to be when you need me to be who I am. Thank God. If I need a friend, He's my friend. If I need a comforter, He's my comforter. If I need somebody to help me, He's the one who helps me. If I have a need in my life, He is the one who provides. If I'm fighting my enemies, He is my banner. Praise God. If I am discouraged, He is my encourager. I'm just telling you we are connected to a big God and we need to understand who He is and one way we understand who He is is by knowing His name. Now there's no magic power in this name. But this is the name He has given. This is the name God has said this is my name forever. And I would suspect He wants us to know Him by that name. And I'm glad I do. I recall back when I was 21 years old, on a Saturday night, lost in my sin, knew about God, but I didn't know God. Can I tell you, God showed up that night. Yahweh came by where I was. And He convicted me over my sins, drew me to a point of faith, and God told me, I'm Yahweh, look at me and live. And I found that the one who is life was able to give me life, and he birthed me into his family, gave me a new birth, and I bless his name that's the night I met Yahweh. I didn't know that as his name. I had no idea his name was Yahweh. All I'd ever heard was God and Lord and Jesus and stuff like that. I didn't know anything about Yahweh. But the more I've been learning about Him, the more wonderful I find He is. And the more that I learn about Him, the more I want to know about Him. Praise God. I figured out a long time ago, I was on the little end of something real big, and the further I go, the bigger it keeps a getting, and the more about Him I'm a learning, and I say glory to His holy name. I'm glad I know Yahweh tonight, and I'm glad He knows me. Amen. I'm not telling you that you need to call Him by this name, but I am saying you need to know that is His name. And you need to understand that about Him and what it means. He is self-existent. He is unchanging. He is eternal. He needs nobody but Himself. 
and God who was eternally satisfied with Himself in the wholeness of the Godhead. That is our God tonight. Hallelujah. And He chose to put us in His plan and He chose to save us out of our sin and He chose to bring us into His family. He chose to reveal Himself to us just like He did to Moses. I didn't have a burning bush experience, but praise God I met Yahweh. He showed up and told me His name and introduced Himself and changed my life forever. I say glory. Hallelujah. I'm glad I know Yahweh. Amen. That's a good place to stop. I'll give you the next point next week. Amen. Because it's too long to share in the time i got remaining. And I don't want to keep you here all night. But if you know Yahweh, you all thank God you do. If it's been a while since you came and talked to Him, might be a good night to do it. Just come before Him and say, Lord, here I am. I want to thank You for being You. And I want to thank You for loving me. I want to thank you that when I go to bed at night, you're I am. When I get up in the morning, you're I am. When I go through my day and hit my bumps and valleys, you're I am. When I face my hurdles and my giants, you're I am. Just praise Him for being the I am, because praise God, that's who He is. His name is Yahweh. You have been listening to a sermon from Calvary Baptist Church. Thank you for taking the time to visit our webpage today and to listen to our sermon. Please check back often for new content. We'd love to have you visit with us at Calvary Baptist Church. The church is located at 1369 Blowing Rock Boulevard Northwest in Lenore, North Carolina. Our Sunday morning worship begins at 11 a.m., Sunday evening at 6 p.m., and Wednesday night at 7 p.m., and you would be welcome at any of our services. Thanks again for listening, and may the Lord bless you is our prayer.